It's Monday the 18th of May 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. Now, with any luck, this is the final on-the-road COVID-19 special edition of the programme and hopefully we'll be back in the studio next week. To celebrate that, I've got another two excellent guests this week. Uh, The third, we've spoken to all three now, of the people who have been leading the national charge against COVID-19. We speak to Vidi Reynason today and we also speak to the Mayor of Reykjavik, Dagur B. Eggertsson. Vidi Reynason, head of the Civil Protection Department at the State Police. Um, it's another big day today, isn't it? We've got the, the swimming pools are open again. Has anything else happened today? No, that's the the big thing today is the is the opening of the swimming pools, and and they they were allowed to open at midnight, and and all of them, well, not all, but many of them opened, and and there were people queuing up, and the biggest one in Reykjavik is allowed to take 350 people in, and it was sold out in 15 minutes, I guess. So people are really, really waiting for it. Yeah. And the same is that we hear from all over the country that, that, that people were waiting, queuing up this morning also before before it opened. So it was something that's really important for Icelandic people. So, yeah. And that's gone well, presumably. No no trouble or anything, people waiting to get in. No, but you can see it on the picture from the, in the news that people are standing a bit close together. It was not respecting two metres. And so that's... Well, we've seen it over the weekend. It's a bit worrying that, that kind of people are relaxing a lot. So we we have to remember that we're still we're still fighting it, even though we have really really few cases now. But still, we need to keep on protecting each other by by this by have the social distancing. Mm. Obviously, there's certain things where you cannot have this two-meter rule, like like inside swimming pools and gyms and things like that. Um, and your advice is to keep it up where possible. Um, what difference does that make if you're some, if you're sometimes closer than two meters and sometimes not? Well, it's the thing is that that this part of the of, of uh, opening up everything is that that you have to take in consider, consideration that you cannot always be two meters apart. So the the thing is, and the guidance will be for, from us uh, this week and and will be taking in place next week is that, that wherever it's possible, you keep this two meters distance and. Uh, for example, when you go to theaters, when you go to concerts and all that, that, that will be allowed after, uh, next next Monday. And then, of course, it's not possible to keep two meters distance. But we want uh, everybody who's having some kind of a organized events to, to make it possible for maybe five or ten people to buy tickets in that way. And also, when you go to shops and uh, and pharmacies and, and uh, go to to get service from the from the government or wherever that is where you have to go where it's necessary for you to go then then everybody should be able to to keep two meters distance okay. so being having the choice is important for especially for vulnerable people that could get more sick than others yeah of course that's the that's what we're always looking at is the to pro- protect the most vulnerable and uh, that's why we need to have it kind of keep it in mind to be able to that people that that want to go out want to take part in, in the social life is that they have this opportunity, even though it will be in, in small numbers, that, that if you want to go to a concert, you will you'll be able to buy maybe tickets, but still it will be difficult. And, and, and when we lift the, the mass gathering ban more, now we're up, up to 50 and next month it will go up to 200. 
it's obviously then you have when you have 200 people together the the two meters distance will be difficult and how does this affect your job because you're sort of looking out for you're not so much on the medical side you're looking out on the on the crowd control if you want to put it that way on keeping people safe um 200 people if there was an outbreak there you know that is far more serious isn't it so what does this mean <laughs> yeah it makes everything more difficult that's that's why we've been always talking about we have to do it it's slow but but uh, as the situation is now in iceland when we have when we only had four cases throughout May, and at the, this time we have six people, uh, what we call active, or in it, so we have six people in in, in isolation, means that, that there isn't that many out there with the, with the virus at the moment. So that's why we think it's safe to to open it up. But if we, or maybe when we have an outbreak again, uh, having groups of 200 people that's been staying very close together. Of course, it will be almost impossible to to trace and and to get get the information to everybody there in the group to to go to quarantine if if it's necessary. So it will be challenging, of course, uh, as as we move along and uh, and lifting the restrictions more and more. It will be challenging to to control it. But then, what we our plan is that 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 we will have when we have an outbreak, we will probably be in limited areas as we as we have seen it, and we will be more able to. To step into that area and and and, and uh, uh, get back to to more restriction, we don't don't need to put the whole country back with 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 very very much restriction. But I think it's possible for us to to take limited areas or maybe one one city or one town or something like that. Why do you believe that's the case now? Because when the illness first came to Iceland, the whole country was affected. Is yeah. it just because you were better prepared at tracking it now, or? Yeah, it's, the, the first thing is that we know more. We know more about it. We know mo more about how it behaves. We know more about how people will react to our our guidance, and uh, it's, and also now we have all the experience in tracking it, and what's this, what is uh, the best practice in that. So the experience for the last last weeks has improved our response a lot. So there's a lot of lessons learned already in this. And you're going to need all of those lessons when it comes to opening the borders up um, on or before the 15th of June. Um, what do you say to people that say that's too big of a risk at this stage? Well, if you, if you look at it, we have, we have uh, uh, different options. We can, we can keep the border as, as it is. Then you have, it is open. You can come to Iceland if you want, but you have to go for two weeks in quarantine. Uh, it's obvious that, that for a very long time it's not possible to have it like that. And, and uh, to choose the time is, is challenging. We think that if we do it in small steps like we want to do now is that we, we will test at least 1,000 people every day. So maybe in the beginning we will test everybody and then maybe after some time when we have more people coming in we will just randomly test people and maybe also, there's a possibility of, of uh, risk assessment, people coming from different countries where the, where the virus is, is more growing than in others. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of, lot of uh, opportunities to work with it, but, but the main thing is that we, we, we can't keep the borders closed for a very, very, very long time because it affects our economy in, in such a big place. And then all these people that are losing their jobs and and the unemployment is also a health risk because if we have thousand, like we have fifty thousand people without the work, it's a big health risk also. So you always have to look at it. Is the 
is the response uh, doing more damage than the virus itself. So now we think it's the time is to, to open it carefully, uh, monitoring it very well, and see how, how things will develop. If, if we get a lot of positive tests at the border, we need to reconsider if, it's, if, it, if we need to close it down again or, or do more restrictions. With this, uh, every day uh, you have to you have to reevaluate everything and, and see how, how things are going. But we think the time is now to prepare it. It's almost a, almost a month until the 15th of June, so we have time to prepare it. We have seen big changes every week for the last months, mm. uh, so we think we will see big changes for the next four weeks also. So, if the if everything will go in a different way than we think, then we can also just cancel this or delay it. But at the moment, we are preparing everything for opening of the borders of 15 of June, with this restriction that we have mentioned. So you either go to a test or provide some uh, some notes that you have uh, that, that our pandemic doctor approves, or you go to quarantine for two weeks. And have you had any response, any feedback yet on on how people are taking this news? Uh, it, has there been a rush of interest of tourists, for example, that plan to now come here in June and July that wouldn't otherwise? Well, I, I, I don't think there is a there is a not a flood of tourists coming in. I, I think people around the globe is is careful about the traveling and uh, every prediction that we've seen is that it will it will take weeks after after the borders in different countries will start opening. It will take weeks until people will be feeling safe to travel and they want to see how things are going and how things are developing. When, when this changes. So, yeah, I think that that, that this uh, will be people coming, but I don't think they will be coming in thousands in the, in the beginning of June, but but in the end of summer, maybe. But but the big thing is that, that in this, that people will feel saved for travel. If they don't feel safe, they will not, they will not come. Mm -hmm. And what advice or, yeah, advice, I guess, do you have for people living in Iceland that are going to be traveling in this country this summer? Because that seems to be the plan. Most people mm -hmm. are going to be staying home, seeing the countryside. That's good, good for the economy, um, but it does have some of its own dangers, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, and, and we we always have to to use our own protection. You know, washing the hands. You know, uh, staying, ha have some social distance. Watch out for for uh, <clears throat> touching things that that other people have been touching, and and all that, and keep and uh, yeah, the social distancing is also a, a important important thing but but if you if you protect yourself and you protect protect your family you're protecting other people at the same time so, so traveling traveling will be will be safe if if you if you follow the ground rules that everybody i think everybody knows those now and uh, i think it will be be safe to travel and one thing about what because we talked about the border earlier it's not it's not about you know just opening up for tourists because we, we have a lot of important export of, of goods and we need to be able to export what we are producing in Iceland. And if there is no flights, it's really difficult to get things on foreign markets. So that's also a very important thing for us to get the flights coming, even though it will be just few tourists every flight, but, but then we can use the flights back to, to transport things out of the country that we need to sell abroad. But I think that, that, that the Icelandic people has now uh, what do you say? They they feel they they have the 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 feeling of freedom, and you can see it now that people are gathering a lot, and 
you know, like we talked about earlier, the swimming pools we've seen, seen in restaurants, we've seen in bars, and people are gathering and, and not maybe respecting the, the social distancing. I think that will that will kind of fade out again because people are really, really been looking forward to meet other people now and, and, and friends are getting together again and, and all that. When we when we go through that period, maybe in a week or so, maybe two weeks, people will start to behave in a way that's that's maybe more responsible and and we'll we will we will find a new rhythm in our life. It will so we'll we we'll learn to live with the virus as long as it is in our in our society. And that seems to be the thing, isn't it? That we're getting this message from several sides that it's not really going anywhere, and we have to adapt our ways. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, what it is one of the things that you can't control. It seems that we cannot control where the virus is going and then what will happen with it. But we we can control our behaviour, and I think if we behave in a in a responsible way, the virus will will fade out and will you know if it, if it doesn't. Go, Come from one people to another, get people infected. It will, it will just fade out. And as long as we, we think, think in that way and, and kind of a change our life in a in, in a small scale, to 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 learn to live with the, with this new situation, I think it will be no problem at all. But it is it is the responsible of of every single citizens, every single people staying in Iceland and, and the citizens of the world. If we all of us start to behave. Uh, responsibly and, and look how we how we socialize with other people, even even this kind of in the new reality, we will manage this. But if we behave uh, not in that way, it will be more difficult and take take longer time. Does it have any direct impact on your day to day life if and when the number of active cases in Iceland hit zero, which hopefully could be very soon? Does that make a specific difference to you? No, it doesn't. It'll just be a happy day. But but still we. We are we closely monitoring everything, and we're taking you know we're testing randomly people still, and will be for some some weeks. And so no, it will not change change much, but it'll be a, it will be a happy day when we when we when we go down to zero. Hopefully, maybe this week. Who knows? Well, we have had four new cases in May, and that if they are not very sick, it takes at least two weeks to to go out. So we we just have to see how how it will be, but. If if we don't have new cases for for many days in in the in the future now, yeah, maybe in in two weeks or we might have no case at all. And hopefully, no one brings it in with them when entering the country. But it's a risk. It, you'd say we have to take it. It is a risk, but but the, also it's we have seen that that if you look at all the cases that we had. And all the testing that we have done, we only had four cases with tourists. Of all those 1,802 cases, we had four cases with, with tourists, and they didn't infect anyone else. So it is a risk, but, but because, because tourists behave in a different way than people living in a country, they do not socialize as much within the society. So the risk is lower with tourists than people uh, with inhabitants. Interesting point. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Mayor of Reykjavik, Dagobi Eggertsson, welcome. Um, first of all, I suppose the biggest news today is the swimming pools, right? <laughs> yeah, if uh, someone doubted how much Icelanders love their swimming pools, uh, we got 
both the evidence and the proof of that uh, now after a closure of what is it now seven eight weeks feels like eight years 24th of march i think yeah so yeah. a while yeah uh, uh, but we we have uh, and and I'm one of the strong believers of the pu the positive public health effects of the swimming pools, uh, not just because uh, it's good for physical activity, but also uh, because uh, it's good for mental health to get out uh, in the in the water and meet other people at the eye level, uh, and the hot tubs are are uh, organized so that you almost have to talk to uh, your neighbor in the hot tub. So, so without this, uh, for many that have been uh, coming every day to the swimming pools for years and years, uh, last night or, or midnight to be exact, was a big moment in, in all of this. And Tell me about the decision to open at one minute past midnight. Uh, was Reykjavik the only municipality that did that? And when was that decision made? Uh, we made the decision very soon after uh, we got the message that we could open. Uh, we had been uh, developing the kind of rules of conduct for the swimming pools uh, with uh, the uh, with the Surgeon General and and uh, the Chief Epidemiologist and and uh, and uh, so kind of when uh, when we began picturing it, we realized that uh, the people that are usually there on the doorknob at 30 minutes past six in the morning um, would probably be overcrowded by a lot of people that were eager and anxious to get in the pool. So we said, well, let's uh, open at midnight and, and kind of spread uh, over almost 24 hours so and that's was that something you predicted then because i guess the people that usually come very early it's mm. often older people mm. pensioners and the people that turned up at midnight yesterday was a lot of teenagers and, and younger people was that how you thought it would be we weren't sure about the teenagers but we know who is coming every day at uh, six thirty, and yes it's uh, uh older people uh, that uh, kind of cheers the calm of it and and the tranquility and that is what happened uh, so we had a full night of of young people happy people uh, in different age uh, but uh, this morning it wasn't exactly like the normal morning uh, but uh, we hear good news from every swimming pool from uh, from this day um COVID-19 has affected almost every area of society, from the schools to the swimming pools, obviously, um, even sanitation services. What's, what's, uh, what are things looking like going forward now? What's the next steps for you as a, as a municipality? Uh, yes, you're totally right. We uh, uh, entered in kind of prepare mode uh, as early as the end of January. Mm. And uh, when... We went to uh, 
uh, emergency mode, we closed off, uh, especially the the vulnerable groups, uh, the elderly centers, and uh, and uh, and and some some more facilities. Uh, over a weekend, we had to reorganize how we teach and uh, have have the schools open because. Um, a lot of cities and countries went kind of the route of closing the schools altogether, but uh, we uh, wanted to keep them open, and that was the um, decision made. Uh, so we had the task of keeping them open, but in smaller groups. And how do do you do that? You both have to reorganize the kind of. Uh, school furniture if you like but also how you teach and and how the groups come in or not come in every day so the the spring has been full of uh, big big uh, projects uh, we have been working um, i mean Reykjavik has uh, some 9000 employees mm -hmm. It has affected the kind of normal job of almost all of them, and they have uh, succeeded and, and showed stamina. and uh, and And so now the the biggest task is kind of to reopen, uh, go back, but also take with us what we've learned uh, about uh, what we cherish most, uh, but also things that. Uh, we have been doing differently, and people kind of like doing in a different way. On the on the financial side of things, talking about jobs, um, the government has been talking about supporting, for example, students with summer jobs. Obviously, it's usually the municipalities that provide those summer jobs. Um, are you providing more jobs to students this year? Yes, we decided to double the numbers of jobs. Uh, we didn't get quite the number in cooperation with the state as we. Uh, wanted to, but we are hopeful that that might uh, kind of come through uh, a bit later. But uh, uh, we want to have as many active and as many in projects and work as possible, uh, because we we um, both feel that that's very good for all of those that want to work during summer. Uh, but it, it's also a question of kind of uh, having a salary and, and uh, kind of um, for, for a big group of young people and young adults, that's uh, very important. Reykjavik takes or receives more tourists than any other municipality, but I suppose as a proportion of takings, it's not among the highest in the country. Um, what what effect is it having on the city's budgets? Because we're seeing some very bad figures from elsewhere, like Hopni, Hotnafidi, and and uh, up in the north, uh, and Reykjanesbær, of course. Um, what about here? Uh, yes, the capital area is uh, uh, one of the most hard hit areas uh, by by um, by COVID and and by the economic effects of that. Uh, it's probably just Sudanese and Reykjanesbær that is harder hits and then some small municipalities that have 
kind of focus mainly on tourism. Uh, on the other hand, uh, as Reykjavik showed 10 years ago, uh, in a city you have uh, more possibilities to develop new ways, uh, but that takes time. and. Uh, uh, so it's uh, uh, quite a blow for the uh, economic situation of the city of Reykjavik and our neighbors. Uh, we are still uh, kind of analyzing how, how big that will be, uh, but we are working with the state and, and others uh, in uh, preparing. So we, we try to keep projects going, we try to invest even more than usual and and in my opinion the it, it would be a mistake to uh, go into kind of austerity mode where you uh, start uh, laying off people and uh, and kind of uh, add to uh, an economy that is uh, getting smaller uh, by strong actors like Reykjavik and the state uh, kind of uh, hesitating in, in doing things. So, so we want um, to uh, kind of keep calm and carry on, uh, if you like, uh, but uh, with that in mind that we uh, will probably uh, be having a contraction for uh, nine to 12 months. Uh, if it is even longer than that, the ef economic effects will be even uh, graver. So it, uh, we, we know that the contraction is, is uh, quite uh, extensive, uh, but what dictates the outcome for the city and municipalities is kind of how long it will last. You talk about public investment of money in creating jobs and, and, and supporting the economy, but what is there that you are doing or can do to support private businesses at this time? Obviously the state has got a massive role to play, but as a city, what can you do? Well, uh, when we look at the picture, uh, the contraction is uh, quite connected to tourism. Uh, we have analysed uh, what the Icelanders were expecting to spend in travel abroad this year and uh, and out of that we get a huge sum uh, of money and uh, we know that a lot of the kind of tourism industry and also restaurants and bars etc are centered in the center of Reykjavik which is probably the biggest and most um, attractive tourist destination in the country, although we tend not to think about it uh, that way. So we have a quite massive program uh, in marketing towards Icelanders, uh, putting up events and, and uh, everything that is nice and beautiful about the city centre to try to ensure that uh, every week, every day, something interesting is happening, something that uh, you can enjoy with your family or your friends. Uh, so the trips you're not taking abroad this year, you, you do them in Reykjavik. <laughs> and obviously with two-thirds of the country's population in the capital area, there's a big campaign going on around the rest of the country to try and get them to visit, to stay the night, to go camping and things. 
Is that something that's happening here as well, or is it mostly focused on people that live here anyway? Uh, yes, it's happening here. Uh, we don't expect and, and don't even want people to camp here uh, downtown, but uh, we uh, very much like them to come downtown, have a good time, uh, go back home, sleep. But actually the hotels downtown have quite some offers that so so even for people in the area, if they like something different or kind of pretend that they are on a city break, they could visit the hotels downtown. Uh, but for for all sakes, I think that um, all of the people in Reykjavik and in the country uh, think alike that we really need a nice summer of 2020 and uh, the city is going to do its utmost in, in creating that atmosphere and supporting that. What about big events like the 17th of June, uh, Pride and Menigenot? Uh, those are probably going to be different this year, aren't they? Yes, we, we have to be innovative, like we've uh, seen this spring, uh, but also when it comes to kind of festivals, we uh, will not be kind of creating those uh, kind of uh, masses that cramp into squares or on Arnarhotl or anywhere else. So, so we uh, are studying ways to kind of uh, have the feeling of Meneganot and the heart of gay pride and and the f festivities of Sveit and the Uni, but in a different way. Uh, we, we don't have answers to all questions yet, but uh, it's a part of having a, a different but uh, great summer. Yeah, it's an interesting challenge, how you can get <laughs> everyone to feel together and to, to feel like part of this wonderful event without physically being there. It's interesting. Um, for you personally, in, in your job of mayor, how has this year compared to past years? Has it been a horrible, stressful experience, or have you taken a lot more hope from it? Uh, we've worked a lot. We've worked very hard, long hours sometimes, uh, but I also feel pride. Uh, both when it comes to the people that work here, the people that live here, the the uh, kind of strange uh, strength they are showing, and uh, and uh, kind of the the spirits. Let's do this together. Has been uh, very strong, but I'm but I'm also uh, very proud of the uh, the response i mean we we took this from day one through emergency management uh, organization uh, both on on state level but also on municipality level and uh, uh, before becoming a city councillor and a mayor uh, my background uh, was in medicine so i was actually planning on uh, specializing in infectious diseases and pandemics uh, and one of the reasons I've I've kind of kept on with city politics is that uh, the, there is no week that goes by without kind of um, when I'm not building on kind of uh, medical thinking or, or kind of focus on health which is uh, very closely connected to kind of governing a city or city politics but but these weeks 
kind of that background came uh, in use almost every hour. So, uh, <laughs> so it has been, yeah, uh, very unusual times. I I hope we won't get uh, a spring like this. Not, uh, but but it also has kind of ensured me that. Uh, the society uh, Reykjavik and Iceland can can take on challenges and uh, plan for them, prepare for them and tackle them. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Well, there we have it. That's the end of today's show. My thanks again to Vidir Reynason, Civil Protection Chief and Mayor of Reykjavik, Dagud B. Egertsson. Um, the week in Iceland will return, hopefully, to Efstalethi, hopefully to Studio 3 at Broadcasting House uh, next Monday, the 25th of May. Either way, though, there will be a show, and you will be able to listen to it on roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app, and, of course, through your favourite podcast player. Now, uh, we finished today's show with a song called Livets in Melonker E uh, by a band called Hips and Haps. It was one of the biggest hits last summer, and I'm choosing it today because basically he describes his ideal life, and there's so many things on there in the text that's kind of quintessentially Icelandic, if you will, drinking cocoa milk and uh, <laughs> going horse riding and things. And one of the things in his ideal life that he really wants is to go on his own swimming and chat to strangers in hot pots about politics. And well, as of today, that's possible again. And uh, if you haven't yet been swimming, do enjoy your first dip. And in the meantime, we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Long carry pickup truck.
Sama 